Static. This is an event. Hey, this is Golf Club. Hey, what's up? It's Caster. Hey, this is Stylist. Hey, what's up? This is Cofresi. Hey, this is Jack London. Hey, this is Kiva. This is Cloud Cord. What's up? This is Wicked the Instigator. This is Jesse Breda. Hey, this is Jason Hand. Hey, this is Father Funk. Hey, this is Dunks from the Funk Hunters. This is Encanti. What's up, y'all? This is Unlimited Gravity. This is MCG. This is Max Future. Yeah, listen to the Green Room Podcast. You're listening to the Green Room Podcast. And you're listening to the Green Room Podcast. Hey, this is Co Paris, and you're listening to the Green Room Podcast. This is Fleming Kosis, and you are listening to Green Room Podcast. Yo, what up, everybody? This is Megan, and we're listening to the Green Room Podcast. We're so stoked to be here today with the amazing Kaya Deshane and the mediocre Pat Olson. (laughs) I was I was excited to be the amazing, the amazing side of that. You are amazing. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Kaya. Baby, it's good. Thank you so much. (laughs) Well, I'm happy to be here. I really am. It's good to have you. Thanks for having me. It's Hash Wednesday. It is Hash Wednesday, you know? (laughs) Okay. Okay. Hash Wednesday? (laughs) Is that a thing? I just coined it. Is that a thing now? I just coined it. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I'm in. I'm down. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, we're clearly all down. So welcome to Hash Wednesday, everyone. Um, I ate fish last night. Uh, I thought you were going... Wait, are you still doing your thing that you told me about? Going, pescatarian? Or? I'm no, being no. a pescatarian. She said she was going, no, you said vegetarian. No, no, you, no, that didn't last. Uh, ha, ha. Yeah, clearly. Uh, are you mocking me, Mr. <laughs> Meat Eater and like Mr. Wasty Pants last night are you for trying, my life are you, choices? Are you trying to shame me for eating meat? Because are you trying to shame me not. for trying to cha- make changes in my life that better me? No, that I'm, just, I'm, trying to shame, I'm trying to shame you for saying... I was going to be vegetarian. Yeah, and, and then I realized that fucking scallops and lobsters and shrimps so and shit are bomb, you and can't. I can't get rid of them. So fucking fuck off. I'm not mad at you. I'm glad you're accepting what tastes good. It does. And so does so does, bris- like so does brisket and brisket. This and sounds like less. projection that you have done nothing to better yourself in 2020. I said I was going to slow to, uh, slow down my drinking. Yeah, and how did that go when you called me three <laughs> times at midnight last night? <sighs> Do you remember that? I don't. I do now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Thanks anyway, yeah, I'm a pescatarian. <laughs> Kaya, do you have any dietary restrictions? I really don't. Um, I try to stay healthy. So I work on, um, you know, I cook at home all the time. You're at like, the gym all sometimes. the fucking time. Though. I am at the gym all the fucking time. I love being at the gym. I, I do a lot of it, yoga. But I respect you. And you've oh. been like, Bitch, let me bring you to the gym. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> You would yeah. love it if you came with me. You you really would love it, actually. I love everything Which, I do with you, Kaya. See, and that's say. what I'm saying. So it could be, it could take me taking you for you to love it. Because uh, it can be chill. I don't it think I would so ever love the gym. I would just love you. <laughs> well, you can love me at the gym. And so you'll love the whole experience. Okay. It'll be great. That's it's all right. A, it's a package cool. deal. Okay. Um, I go to experience fitness. Yeah. yeah, it is how yeah. I get through the winter too because in the summer I am paddleboarding, I'm kayaking, I'm hiking, I'm going all over the place. So, I'm able to be outside, I'm right. able to be on the beach, I'm, you know, hooping on the beach, I'm chilling, I'm dancing all the time. I've never and then done the any winter. I know. I think <laughs> like I'm just listening to this like I've never done guest any of we've had on this podcast besides Kill Paris. Oh yeah. Who was essentially like, I mixed I was doing like he like essentially his like little spiel was like, I was doing this like crazy musician's life where, you know, I'm up till five in the morning and I Same. S- sleep until <laughs> 2 PM and I'm getting wasted all the time though. And like, I'm like supplementing things to make myself feel happy and to wake myself up and drinking way too much caffeine and like putting too much mm-hmm. pressure on myself right? and like not doing any self care. 
And so he like just reevaluated like everything and he He moved to Florida so he could like get his vitamin D every day. That was like a huge part of why he did it. And, um, he just like completely changed his eating habits and like his party habits and his like sleeping habits and like everything. I can relate. Is like the most active person besides you on here that we've ever had. I think maybe that can do both some fucking how you can do both. Yeah. (laughs) Like, well, you're so young. Are you, you're still in your twenties. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. I'm going to preface this with two things really quickly. First of all, Kaya grew up with, her badass mom who all she did was bring her around to like music festivals and concerts for like her entire life. So she was like oh, basically nice. an American gypsy, which <laughs> should be the name of a television show. Oh, American gypsy. That's oh. a great band name though. Too. Thank you. Oh, it yeah. could be. You're welcome. And it so, would be totally like Kaya, my next house project. Music. This yeah. is Kaya Deshane, everyone. Uh, the American gypsy. Deshane. Who, yes. That's my last name. Really? It is. Deshane. I had no idea. Yeah. And Kaya is one of the sound techs for multiple venues in Minneapolis. But I would say most importantly, First Avenue made popular by Prince uh, right. from Purple Rain. If you haven't seen Purple Rain, go look at it and you can see First Avenue. It's an extremely iconic venue. They have stars painted all over the outside of the building that have any artist who's do you know what like the stipulation actually people always ask this question so you have how do you get be, your name painted on the yeah side that's a great time? question i can tell you so you have to be for one you have to have sold out the main room okay. but you also have to be friends or you know in cahoots with owners so they're not going to just <laughs> give you a star if you sold out the room oh, and you were so it's all about assholes. who it's all about who you know uh, in, in a way, but like it's it's more you have to be friends, you know, like so it's you have to be someone that people like being around and they're able to, you know, and you sold out the room. So yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. You can be. So I I had half of that right. When people would ask me that question, I would say you have to sell out the main room, but okay. you gotta like you too. Yeah, and exactly. that makes sense. You have to be personable, and uh, a lot of those people have been working. Hard. I want to see Does... like the the like naughty list. Yeah, who didn't sell? <laughs> I want to see the naughty list of First <laughs> Avenue. I want to see the nice and the naughty list of the people who sold the out people First who Avenue. Didn't sell out. They have yes. like a, they have who their own sold list. out, yeah. but they didn't get their name on the building because love, nobody likes them. I would love yeah, to see you, that too. naughty list. Congratulations, naughty list. Naughty list. It's the naughty list. Um, hey, it's the naughty list. Does Sonia still work there? She's like Sonia a talent buyer. Is like our crystal buyer. ball. Is she, she is seriously the person that um, she brings in artists yeah. that people haven't heard of, but Absolutely, half 100%. of the city have. You yep. know, so it yeah, sells yeah. out. But people that she work knows, at the venue have never heard of floor. her. Mm-hmm. And she goes to all the shows. The first mm-hmm. time I ever met Sonia actually was when I was still going to IPR and I was still trying to like figure out exactly because I started as a studio engineer and I still do a lot of studio stuff, but I was like kind of exploring being a live sound engineer and she took me out to one of Rhyme Sayers uh, private parties. I think it was POS and she was like, I'll guest list you. It was the first time I ever met her. She was like, come down. I'll guest list you. Come have fun. You know, it was cool meeting you. And so she did and I went down and I had the best time. I met so many people and it was like one of those networking opportunities that Mm -hmm. she basically placed in my hand. And then, you know, five years later, I'm working at a venue where she's booking these artists and I get to work hand in hand with them every day. And right. it's, it's, it's really cool. She's yeah. been a really She's been there beautiful for like person. 20, yeah. And, and she, she knows what's up in all genres. So it's not just one thing that she's pulling in. She's pulling in something that every type of person could like mm-hmm. anyone that is willing to go out and see music and enjoy it in a live 
setting, like she's going to bring out, she's right. going to get them out of their house and yeah. she's going to bring them down to she first Avenue a, or one of the other. Yeah. Or one of the other venues because she's able to book uh, artists. Yeah. She's very as, good at knowing who to book at what club and exactly. like what, will, what club brings out what, and because you can grow, you can, yeah. she's willing to put a yep. smaller act in a venue. And if they can pack that out, she's willing to bring them up and they're going to, you know, they're going to end up having bigger shows. I think that's so integral of any promoter. And I think she's that's very lacking probably, here in Minneapolis. I'm going to call prob- that out. No, no, no. She's probably the best promoter that you've never heard of. Oh, yeah. 100%. 100%. 100%. But also like on another page, like I really feel it is the responsibility of promoters and um, venue ambassadors and talent buyers to create a scene by having repeated artists come into town that they have built a fan repertoire for exactly having by supporting that act constantly you like it has happened in minneapolis a couple times i mean look at uh boombox cartel we can look at um uh, you? <laughs> I mean, I'm s- still here, I suppose. Like, Boombox has gone on to LA, so I consider them, you know, obviously a much different platform than me. Yeah. But yes, the yeah. community has been very supportive of me. Um, and, I mean, there are other people as well. I mean, Manic Focus Pseudo came out of here. Um, yeah. Haywire claims t- a bit to be out of here. Uh, and Dirty Talk at the time was doing really, really well. And those are, were totally acts that were put on so consistently and so supported by sound in motion by TC presents, et cetera, that they were able to have a platform to be noticed in the national spotlight and international spotlight and be able to get to where they are now. Not saying it's because of those people. It's obviously because of their talent, but correct. It was largely in part of being given the chance. Yes, absolutely. To be able to do that. And there is a, There is a finesse and there is a huge skill, exactly as you're saying, in knowing what's going on in every genre. Yes, 100%. Because you have to know... Knowing where to put your faith in and where to put your money. And as a venue, just like picking the right opportunities to provide growth for something that's mutually beneficial. And the one thing that I kind of, I feel like goes unspoken um, is that the older you get, and Sonia's, I mean, she's probably like in her 50s right now. I would have to guess late 40s. She looks way younger. I know, but she looks like she's 30. Uh, the one thing about uh, a promoter and being like hip to like new genres and new styles, and she's been doing it for like 30 years, so she's seen multiple different waves of music and and uh, what's popular come through. I suppose room. that's even more crazy. And like- it's, so, it's super crazy because like you not only have to be hip of, with what's new, uh, but it, it becomes very challenging. The older you get, you want to like kind of revert back to your old favorites. And I experience that myself right now. And it's, it's hard to, and well, she's not like, only that, but also like everyone yeah. likes a certain thing a little like more a than something else. Yeah. So to be nonpartisan exactly. toward anybody, exactly. Um, exactly. It's very I mean, difficult. it's, it's her job. So I sort of see that as like a task that she takes on and it kind of, she's able to compartmentalize that as like part of like her work and what she needs to accomplish and able to like, a lot of us are able to put our emotions and our mm-hmm. preferences aside. You have to be like, unbiased. You, yeah, you do. And unbiased. I think that, I but think you that have most to know people within are able, that genre, like what still is cool for sure without being, that's a whole nother you know, like part of the can of worms. Yeah. But yeah, I mean like, I think uh, that in any professional sort of atmosphere, 
if you are a good professional business person that you have at this point, I would hope figured out how to put your personal bullshit aside right. and perform the task at hand without right. bias, et cetera. 100%. And we even have to do it as performers, as, as techs where shit's going on in our personal life and it's not fucking optimal right now. And being in a club right now is the last place we want to be. And but there's 2000 people or 10,000 people waiting to see you do what you're supposed to do. Exactly. And you, and you just yeah. like, I shut that open loop off mm-hmm. and I, do the thing. I do my job and I don't think of it as a job because it, it's, I mean, I just say that in the way that, that that's how I make money to a degree. <laughs> yeah. It is a job. So yeah. it is a it job is. in that yeah, sense. You know, it doesn't feel like a job to me, to be honest with you, but you Same. lock those things out. You compartmentalize the things that are going to affect you negatively and you do your job mm-hmm. because that's what, how professionals operate. And some people will argue, I feel like that, um, you're like that that's a little sociopathic to be able to do that. Yeah. No, I, but no, people will, people will are, you're right. I'm, what is what I'm saying? People will argue that. Yeah. And I think there's some truth to that, but at the same time you're put in the situation where that's what people also expect of you. Right. So you have to do, you do have to, uh, you're almost forced to be a little sociopathic. Well, the I show must go on. So you exactly. have to think about that at the end of the day. Like you you're coming there. And I mean, sometimes I think that my job can distract me from the rest of my life too. Sometimes I think I can find the good, you know, and my energetic self because I step out of my like every other day life, you know, and I go into right. my production life and I'm mm-hmm. working there and we're there for sometimes 12 sometimes 16 hours, depending on how big the production is, because we have to go in, we fly the PA, we have to set up the full audio system, the artists have to come in, they have to sound check, you know, we have to get everything dialed in, and then the show happens, and then we have to tear everything down, and we take it back, and put it in a fucking semi, and send it on to the next city, and that's not, especially at, you know, when you're getting upwards of 8,000 people in a venue, it's gonna be, you're traveling with your own PA, you're coming there with full production, full lighting, full sound, full, maybe video and lasers, too, depending on pyro. probably have your own sound person. Oh, yeah, and And, well, at that level, you definitely do if you're traveling with your own PA so but there's so much that comes into it that you have to be like you're on the road sometimes just like you guys are for you know four weeks six weeks sometimes longer some people spend 200 plus days show days on the road and so they don't end up having a house you know and so it's like it's it's a totally different world than I think being able to work nine to five every day five days a week and being able to go home like everyone does it's it's not structured and it's not anything like that but I think it's beautiful and you can you know you can learn a lot and you can you get to interact with so many beautiful people too you know you get you get a good experience from it all so there, there's right. a give and take what at would the you end of say the day. has been your favorite? I guess we can like go in tears here. Your favorite touring experience, your favorite large venue experience, your favorite educational experience. I don't know, just like a plethora of like really formative things for you. Because yeah. as meeting like a bunch of people that we respect so much or that we didn't even know that we were about to respect so much, I'm sure that you were just like blown away. Yeah, on a I mean, basis. starting with education, I 
ended up having some of the coolest mentors in the world that were able to take me under their wing and they were able to tell me how to survive in an industry that is kind of a doggy dog world and it's also a very male dominated industry so as an engineer you know usually if I'm on a gig I doubt there's going to be more than one or two other females on a gig you know that's working in the production world whether it's lighting whether it's sound whether it's you know, pyro Have you had any like negative experiences? I mean, I've had, men? I've had a couple, but at the end of the day, like, I don't think I've ever been hindered by being a woman. I think sometimes I stick out because people are like, who the fuck are you? Or what are you doing here? You know, you don't belong. Right. And then they see what I do and right. that, you know, like I can do a really good job too. And then they're impressed and the vibe, it's all about the vibe. You know, you can know so much but if you can't hang, you know, people don't want to be around you. So that you have is to be, very well said. Yeah, if you so can't hang, if you get hang in the music industry, like you better get to step into it. No one's going to give dude. you a fucking so opportunity. <laughs> so it's That's like, so you got to be cool. And That's I so realized that this is what I meant to do. You know, I realized this a while ago and, you know, negative experiences. Sometimes there's bad days. Sometimes equipment fails and shit goes wrong. And you're the person that everyone's looking at, you know, so that's hard sometimes but you just have to power through and you have to figure out what the fuck happened you know and you have to fix it and you have to fix it in time on time before anyone fucking notices hopefully you know like that's right. like the biggest thing is you just want to you and the show must go on like I said you have to figure it out and you have to keep pushing or you have to replace whatever's going wrong and make it happen and finish the show. You know, it's like you want to make it as seamless as possible. And so from education, I had some really good mentors because they definitely helped me work through that. But then a lot of it I learned on site and through trial and error and shit going wrong or shit happening perfectly and realizing how like in synchronicity when you have the right crew and like if the artists are tuned in and they're like doing what they need to do, you know, everything else should be good. As long as everything on stage is happening right, if you know what you're doing, it should be a perfect show. Dude, and right. side note, and we're bookmarking bookmarking like formative experiences for you because I want to keep hearing about them because I know that was like just like the tip of the iceberg. Yes. But I just want to share like a personal experience that I had with Kaya when we were in Colorado. <laughs> We were pl I was playing at the um, soft launch for Meow Wolf at the National Western Complex. And um, it was your wireless microphone was cutting out. Yeah, they were, the batteries yeah. were dying. Well, it was I was an trying to think of where to begin with the problems <laughs> that we had. So Pat can cut that pause out. But uh, basically, like right when I got up, they were having like monitoring issues. It sounded like one of my speakers was sort of blown. I wasn't really sure. I didn't have booth control like I thought I was going to. Kaya was out in the crowd, thank fucking God, and she heard, like, all of the... I mean, I was still, like, going on with my set, but I don't know how it sounded out there. Right, my yeah. monitor sounded never, bad to begin know. with, and the changeover the was literally... The sounded bad, too? Yeah. The changeover oh, was sucks. literally, like, three minutes, Ooh, like, and really I had sucks. no sound check. Really? Not, not, no. not, not even, even not a little your, bit. Not, no. any, not, not for and your guitar? Did you bring your guitar out there? Yeah. yeah. And, and you had no... And point, my, my guitar, my drum pad, my I was singing... Full oh, everything. No. And I, so you had three, you have basically three channels of things that you need to get levels right for. Yes. And four some, channels. Maybe yeah. 
two and, of well, those. And they were running. It, it was off schedule too. It was like so they ran it as a festival kind of thing going oh, on. You okay. know. So if oh, you no. think about it, they were running multiple artists coming through. No one had really had a different engineer either so it was like the same guy all night and he was super cool about things but they didn't know anything that was coming in they had no you know idea of what if you were just going to be a left right you know mixer going out with a vocal that you can shout to the crowd or if you're going to sing play guitar do a drum pad like they had no yeah, idea they got no so, advance so yeah and, i'm like sitting up there playing and i hear things start to get evened out because i know i can sense kaya has taken over. Oh, yeah? You know, I can't see shit, but I, I mean, there's a thousand people between her and I, but I know she has taken over. And um, you could hear it. I start to feel like my right monitor, which I, actually, no, both monitors, I start to feel like both monitors are blowing. And I keep checking my master because, like, you're not headlining if you're not redlining. Um, but no, seriously, I kept checking. Because it's I, a crackling effect. When you're losing RF signal, especially as a battery. Yeah, going it sounds out, like... Yeah, it sounds... It literally sounds like... It's it's like a crackling, blowing... So it sounds like you're... And I was like, what the fuck? Because I heard it at front of house. And I was like, what the fuck is that? Yeah, so, so but for both of us to hear that noise is weird. Because that means that neither either Kaya somehow blew yeah. the front of house or <laughs> I blew the not. monitors and neither of us have touched anything so Kaya's genius ass like realizes I'm like muting every channel that I can besides your left right to see where it's coming from I'm trying to isolate where that problem is coming from and I start going to because he had four wireless microphones open and I started um, muting them and your main one which was I think it was like mic two they had been using all day all day and eventually a double a pair of double a batteries is gonna die you know you can't use all really? day what? oh my god Are you yeah. kidding? Like, <laughs> I mean Duracell like maybe lasts a little bit longer but I don't know <laughs> no they all, suck. they all no, suck they do and it's so I was like I muted 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 and all of a sudden I realized that one of those everything was back to normal everything was fine didn't sound any crackly so I like isolated it and I didn't have a pair of headphones either so I like isolated it in Jesus. these in ear monitors that this guy seriously the stage manager was really cool though because he like ran up to stage grabbed me a pair of in-ear monitors came back plugged it in and was like here you go so i could have some kind of like isolation um but yeah it was really cool and it turned out really well and i was like dude you need to change those batteries and figure it the fuck out but it sounded great and everyone there was like three people that literally kept coming up to me like oh my god this bitch sounds so good she didn't they didn't say bitch because that, that was a personal I, I addition hate it if they did. but no but, my whole point in bringing this yeah. up uh before you, you get to talk about really cool shit that you've done was that uh, while I was playing and I realized, or I mean, not realized, but had this like thought of, oh my God, I turned my booth up too loud somehow for like a moment and I've blown everything. I, you know, like we just said, the fucking show must go on. So there's not moment of a moment of um, where you're like, okay, well now that I have no monitor, I guess I'm done. You yeah. know, like you just keep doing it. So I've seen that happen. I've seen people literally give up a show because something went wrong. Um, um, one person actually, their entire mixer shit out. Like their mixer just shit out. And they picked it up and they looked so like, you know, they were so fucked up and they just walked off stage. 
and huh. they had like 30 minutes of a show left, you know, and it was it was a DJ and it wasn't like anything like a crazy headlining set or anything. But they just like completely gave up and walked off stage. Yeah. I mean, it depends on the issue. And I feel that sometimes. But um, yeah, I was just like thinking, OK, my monitors are blown, whatever. I'm just going to keep playing my shit. And, you know, these people out here are dancing still, so they don't seem to mind that like this is happening for me. And so I'm just gonna put my headphones on honestly and just like not and like turn the booth down and be fine. Only to like realize like five minutes later that there was no longer a blown speaker sound happening when I took my headphones off cause I had to sing. And I'm like wondering about that the rest of the set thinking like, okay, I guess I must have not blown the speakers. It must've been the song, like just specifically the gain on that song yeah. was like way too loud. I must've going through all these like things in my head. The whole fucking point is that at some point in my set, like within 10 minutes of us having this issue, and I wouldn't even say 10, five minutes of us having this issue where we thought things were blown out. Um, and then I was like, wow, they fixed themselves within that five minutes. Kaya had already figured out the issue ran upstairs or upstage replaced my wireless microphone without me fucking seeing and then leaving again. Nice. <laughs> and me thinking the problem went away. And then we discussed it later and I realized that I was like, oh, it was, I thought it was blown, but it didn't. So I guess go me. And then she's like, well, bitch, actually, like, she's like, I saved your ass. I mean, she didn't say it like that, but like, no, this no, is no. me summarizing like what actually happened. Yeah. But so, that's how it is. You got to know, you got to be on site. And that's why I think, of everything, you know, I love live is because I'm on point. Like, I feel like I can be dialed in when I need to be dialed in. And I think that I can figure out, you know, I work good under pressure and, you know, I'm definitely not saving lives. So I don't know how it's like to be like someone that works in an ER or is like at triage and shit. But like, I feel like it, I feel like I get so dialed in when a show starts and I feel like I can figure out, you know, of all of the things that could be going wrong, you have to like carp like you have to you have to really think about everything that's going on and you have to put it into boxes basically and think about like where where is it coming from where in this sequence of all of the things that are plugged in of all of our 30 inputs you know with you it's like a few less yeah but, yeah but with a right. full band you know like that's we kind just of had <laughs> much yeah much less yeah. but like the other day at first avenue we had 47 inputs for one band so it's if something's going wrong instead of me looking at you know 15 channels like they had four wireless microphones you had probably five channels and then they had a couple other di's you're looking at 47 channels you know of things that could go wrong of things that could be a bad cable or something stupid but yeah, it's cool. I enjoy it at the yeah. end of the day. I really have a lot of fun. And I feel like it gives me a challenge. So what has been your like favorite experience at First Avenue? Besides obviously working alongside Conrad. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think a couple of the times, let's see, Galactic was probably one of my favorite bands that I've gotten to work with at First Avenue. They came from New Orleans and they Ooh, really, we're going to New Orleans. Yes. yes and next. they they took over the stage and their new singer lead front woman Jelly, she came up and she took over the whole entire place and it was it was just really cool to see someone come in and their engineer was 
so dialed in. He was so cool. He's actually the production manager at Tipitina's in New Orleans, so we should go there. Holy shit. Yeah, he's he's awesome. And it, it was a really, really cool night all the way around. And I had worked with them previously at the Palace, and they did Galactic and Lettuce, and then it just so happened that oh, Lettuce that was playing did you mix the that next show? Friday. Monitor mix or front so, of house? So for um, Galactic, it was, let's see, the sweat, no, it wasn't the sweatbands. It was Star Kitchen. So the bass player of the Disco Biscuits, he has a side project, and they opened for them. So we mixed them, and then there was one guy who is the production manager of Tipitina's that does monitors and front of house for Galactic. So it was, he handled that, but we handled the openers, and it was a That's killer awesome. show. And they were just, it was so fun to, you know, like be there and have a good time. And so we had done that a year before, and then a week after the Friday following Galactic, it was Lettuce. And then I did do the monitor mix for that. And that's it awesome. Was, you got yeah. to meet Deitch then. Adam Deitch, the drummer. Yes. He's the coolest ever. We're going to have him on here soon. You should. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay. So favorite experience of all time. And then we got to go into this interview. But favorite experience mixing of all time. Let's see. Or working oh, that's with any hard. I mean, honestly, I've had so many experiences with so many different people it's hard to say that I have a favorite because I have gotten to be in the presence of so many beautiful musicians that bring so much to the table that I could seriously go on and on and on I've mixed almost every day for the last you know probably six days a week for and the she last really does like literally <laughs> yeah. I five years never get especially. to hang out with you you fucking bitch no literally though like you're always so working. it's really hard to say that I have a favorite but I've had a really really amazing experience working with a couple of the local Minneapolis bands um especially sweat bands sweat band I think, and um, they're Purple Funk Metropolis. So one of the oh, horn, yeah, I know those guys. Yeah, the horn player of yeah. Purple Funk Metropolis. They just played at Seventh Street Entry uh, two weeks ago. I think it was December eighteenth, and it was a killer show. And they've been coming out, and they've really been, you know, bringing the funk back to Minneapolis. And Are they I think a funk band still? I feel like the time, the first time I saw them when they first started, I they. They were called Purple Funk Metropolis, and I was kind of underwhelmed because it was it was not funky. It was more jazz. Yeah, it was they, more of a jazz. No, band. they definitely brought the heat this last time. Um, and okay. I saw them last New Year's, um, last New Year's Eve at it was the Turf Club, and sure. they they were great. It was it was a really really fun time. It keeps growing, you know the the amount of people that I work with and my favorite people. You know, it changes every day because I get new experiences and I get to work with a new band the next day that maybe I've never heard of, but are better right. than half the people that I listen to every day. You right. know, like it, it, it comes out of like coming full circle back to the booking at first Avenue and you know, the, the people that are out there promoting the right kind of people to come into this industry. You know? Yeah, I do know. Uh, that's super cool. So we're about to hop into this interview. We have a very special guest coming up for you. Uh, I want to thank you, Kaya, for yes, joining absolutely. us and sharing your experiences. Yeah, for with sure. Us. We're like going to have Kaya on a full episode sometime <laughs> because yeah, we should. We could totally. To we like could she said, she works six days a week, so we really need to like. There's got to be like so much shit that's like 
there sitting is. there. We could we could have a podcast about. for every genre of. We could music. have a whole separate. We could have a whole separate have a podcast, podcast just about yeah. from this perspective. <laughs> no, from totally. live sound to studio. But yeah, thank you so much, Kaya. Love you. Yeah, we'll have you on soon. We'll see you soon. Anyway. Five seconds. All right, everybody. You've heard of Pat's favorite show, The Wonder Years, starring Fred Savage. <laughs> I do love Which is why he loves Wonder Years. You know what, Pat? Fuck Wonder Years, because we got a way better one here. Let's make some noise for Marvel Years! Our first guest tonight is... Introducing special guests. Let's do this. You're listening to Green Room Podcast. Hey, this is Marvel Years. Y'all are listening to the Green Room Podcast.
How have you been, Corey? <laughs> I've been pretty good, guys. Um, yeah, just got home to Cali. So nice. hanging out, at? working in the studio. Um, I was in Chicago for New Year's and then uh, just spent some time with my family for a little bit. Cool. And, and now we're back. From, is it Vermont, New Hampshire? Yes. Yep. Vermont. Vermont. Yep. Very cool. So you like Bernie Sanders? <laughs> I like Bernie. Bernie's my dude. <laughs> I didn't want to go into all of that, but yeah, no. We I don't mean, have too cool many things guy. from Vermont, man. We got we got maple syrup, Bernie Sanders, and fish. Okay. Nice. I'm on board with all those things. I like fish. Yeah, they're nice. all pretty good. Nice. Hell yeah. Cool. Yeah, last time I saw you, we did a sold-out show together in Portland, and that was a blast. Portland. Yeah. <laughs> you we crushed have, like, it. One bottle of tequila for... <laughs> I mean, I was going to say all of us, but reality, it was like you and me because it was you and Aaron me. Yeah. didn't drink it. And then, yeah, I mean, we can't waste it. It's there. We couldn't waste you know? it. We didn't waste it. We wasted no time. I remember like going Wasting to the bar time. at like 1130 to get a shot and they were like, it's gone. I was like, yeah, really? <laughs> I was like, I, I have no idea. Polished, yeah. You guys polished off that? a liter of tequila by 1130. That's impressive. Uh, no, 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 no. I think we, what happened was we did polish it off, but it was like, it's like sometimes when I play a set, it's like sometimes I have to have like a drink or two to get like loose enough, you know? Oh, for sure. To, I feel like I could play guitar a little bit better. Absolutely um, agree. 100%. So we just went for like the pre-show shot, you know, there you played go. the set. And for then sure. after that, we had fun. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, that's the way sure. to do it, man. I always, yeah. so like, I, I felt I play like half of it like well. disappeared though. Anyway. No, I was going to say, I play, I play guitar as well. And I played in so many like live band situations and I played, uh, you know, an electronic with Megan and, you know, regardless, you know, you have one or two drinks and that like loosens you up and I feel like you can play way better. You have like that exactly. third and fourth drink and then all hell breaks loose. <laughs> There's a fine line between like playing better and then just like just diving off the deep end, just mm-hmm. going downhill. Mm-hmm. Especially when it comes to like, you know, an instrumentalist. Yeah. I mean, you have to move your fingers. That being said, though, I have met like I would say instrumentalists over everyone. I have met a lot of like. I mean, James Geisinger is a perfect example of this. Mm-hmm. The basis for Frogleg can get so fucked up and not be able to look yeah, me in the flawless. eye and collapse on stage next to like a monitor and slide down onto his ass and not miss a fucking beat. That's true. Man, some people could do that. It just like blows me away. For real, I'm not they're one like of those people. third eye opens as soon as they're blacked out because they can't yeah. see from the other two, and then they're yeah. like twenty times better than they already fucking were, and uh, they're, they're just, just on like autopilot. autopilot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I don't get it. I'm not them, so <laughs> yeah, me neither. <laughs> yeah, me neither. I've never had that legend, though. I think that's. I would say I've never had that blessing, but I think that's more of a curse. Uh, it's, you know, that's definitely, yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't try to do it, but it's definitely nice to know that if you go down that road, you could still shred yeah. and no one would notice. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, so, so Corey, why don't you explain to our listeners a little bit about yourself, like your, your beginnings and how you got started, how you started as a guitar player and then how you kind of move that into uh, your productions. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I started playing guitar when I was like 11 years old. Um, and I started playing guitar in New Jersey where I was, you know, born and lived for a little bit. And I moved to Vermont and just started playing, you know, in like bands in middle school and doing like, you know, talent shows and shit like that. And then like once I got into high school, I kind of stopped playing for a little bit. Okay. Um, I kind of got into smoking weed. 
yeah. and hip hop. Yeah. <laughs> and so the guitar kind of sat on the side for like two years or whatever. And then, um, and I went to my first show was RJD2. Oh, that's in sick. Vermont. Yeah. It was at, it was at the U S open in Vermont and I saw RJD2 play and it like blew my fucking mind. I was like, what is this? And yeah, I mean, after that I downloaded logic on my computer and then just, um, I, that's right when I started playing guitar again and yeah, it just like kind of took off from there. Yeah. So w- would you say, uh, you started to put out tracks like maybe when you were still in high school, 18, 19 or so? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like, you know, on like weeknights after I did my homework and shit like that, like I would just be bored at home. So I would kind of just fuck around and like make music. Um, and like I started putting it on YouTube mm-hmm. and then it wasn't until my freshman year of college that I started to like get like a little bit of recognition where people started to take notice and were like looking forward to my next releases, which was like huge for me. Sure. And then I remember just like getting the first blog post of one of my tracks and that just like made me realize like I really have to take this like more seriously. Mm-hmm. And so I started putting out like a track every two weeks um, for about a year, my freshman year. And then, yeah, I just started playing shows, um, in 2013, I believe it started, it was like a pretty light show. I played a show in Denver and then we went on tour with Grizz for two weeks. And after that, I just kind of, so you just jumped, you just, just jumped right into playing with pretty lights and Grizz. Yeah. It was like kind of <laughs> crazy how that shit worked. Um, and like, my mindset, I was so young and I was like, so new to it. I was like, Oh shit. Like this is how it's going to be all the time. This is, you know, this is tight. Um, and like after those shows is when I dropped out of college. And that's like when I really had to start grinding Yeah, because I, I kind of took a break from school and I immediately moved out of my parents' house. I just like found a room on Craigslist in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I was like, fuck it. Yeah. Took the room. And then I was kind of on my own. Um, and yeah, just started grinding and then, uh, yeah, ended up here. Very cool. So how old are you now? If you don't mind me asking, I'm 25 for 25. now. Five. Oh, you're such a young baby. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel like it, but you're an old baby. Pat. I know. I old know. Baby. Little old man guy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what an old baby. <laughs> <laughs> the baby's old. Anyway. So that's cool. So you moved you went to school in Vermont then for a little bit. Yeah. Is that where you yeah, I went to university of Vermont for a year. Very cool. And yeah. then you moved down to Charlotte and how long were you in Charlotte? I was in Charlotte. I'd say probably three or four years, I think. Okay. Um, Dude, yeah, Charlotte something like is that. Lit. I just went Char- for my first time. Yeah. Charlotte was cool. Um, I really liked it there. I, when I first moved there, there was like really no electronic music scene like at all. And then by the time I moved out, it was like steadily growing, um, which was like really cool to just see like a growth in the electronic scene there. That was super cool. It was definitely, I opened for um, Hippie Sabotage, which the show in general was really packed and like the energy of the attendees was really good. And I went on at like 10 p.m. and it was already pretty much sold out and everybody was like, there to dance. Yeah, I was like, kind of surprised when you said you were playing Charlotte because I never even heard of them as as far as like an electronic scene goes. Yeah, I Well, yeah, that's the thing in Charlotte. It's like it's so the electronic scene is like just starting to grow there, so the fans who come out are just like so stoked on every show and they just throw down and like rage. They really like do really awesome. rage. Like I swear to god there's probably and like I said, like I started at 10. So, 
I remember at like one point I jumped off stage, like ran down like the front little aisle thing, you know, and like probably at least eight people that were riding the rail were pretty much eyeballs in the back of the head. Couldn't keep their eyes focused on me. Eyes shaking back and forth and like mouth doing like the weird, like, like I'm rolling my dick off kind of situation. I was like a little genuinely concerned for their well-being but they were having fun so yeah they were all out already at like 10 30 and that was tight yeah they fucking raged down there which is cool yeah the venue i played at the fillmore too and that was really cool there's like fillmore's popping up all over do you know anything about that Uh, i have no idea why that's happening but i know they're i i've been noticing it as well like they used to just have fillmore east and fillmore west and now mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's it's kind of like the Orpheums, you know. There's an Orpheum in every fucking city. It seems like man, they, they got that fucking name recognition, dude. They could exactly. probably just open a venue anywhere. That's true. Honestly, when I hear Fillmore, I'm like baller. Okay, it's gonna be yeah. tight. You know, they're, and they're, they're about to open one in here Minneapolis. next yeah. month. Yeah. And oh, yeah, no shit. Kaya, who's one? gonna be who's on our shell today, is probably gonna be working sound there. I bet anything. But yeah, um, they just opened one here. There's one in Denver. I played the one in Charlotte. They're all over it's the place. Philly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's hard to tag them when on social media because it's like Fillmore and there's like 10 of them now. Yeah, they're everywhere. Yeah. But yeah, really, really good quality like all around. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, they're just on top of their shit. So, Corey, then you were in Charlotte for a while for like you said two or three years and then did you move out to California where you are now? Yeah, I moved out to LA in, um, I, I guess it was 2018, summer 2018 mm-hmm. I moved here. Do you like it so far? Yeah, I love it, man. Um, it's just like, it's a nice place to come back to. I, I don't live. All right, here's the thing. I don't like the city of LA. Like right. just the overall culture of it. I'm just not the biggest fan of it. But where we live, we kind of live in like Sherman Oaks area. Okay. So it's kind of outside of LA. And like, you know, just like our house is like quiet. We have like a backyard and like, it's just a nice place to come off tour and just chill. That's perfect. And just like, kind of get your head right. Close. Is it close to the ocean? Um, not really. I mean, it's like 30 minutes away, but we're on, um, Ventura Boulevard. So like, you know, like I have a guitar center block up, which is fucking sick. Perfect. That is, that'd be dangerous. It's very, it's so dangerous. Oh my God. (laughs) I bet you and Pat can nerd out about this shit. We're about to right now. I want to ask you some questions. Uh, so for your, cause I've, I've toured and play guitar as well. And Uh I always am curious about, other people's setups. So do you still use pedals? Do you have like a, a multi effects or yeah. what's your setup? Um, man, I got a, a Digitech RP360. Okay. Like little guitar pedal. It's got a, it's got the wah pedal on it. Mm-hmm. And the thing's fucking so clutch, man. Like I can fly with that thing. I can fit it in my backpack exactly. and literally just like play any show with it. And it's you got, got like, DI? Yeah, I just yeah. go DI straight to house, or even sometimes like if if there's a mixer and I want to have total control over it, I could just throw it through the mixer for sure. Yeah, um, which is fucking dope, you know. So all so I need really is just my backpack and my guitar it's to so travel easy, and play man. shows. It took me um, a long time to figure that out, you know. But uh, yeah, I was I was coming up with all sorts of different solutions. I had like a, a preamp pedal that had XLRs out. I had a, a JHS color box which emulated an old soundboard, and yeah. I would put that always at the end of my chain and I would run my pedals in before it. I've built custom pedal boards. Uh, Megan, you can attest to this. Uh, we brought it out to like Seattle and we went on that first tour and like I had it like my own little like wah pedal section. So it looked kind of like a multi effects unit 
and then yeah. ran it out. And then I finally just was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to get a multi-FX pedal because most of the people in the audience don't give a shit at whether you're playing analog pedals or you're playing a digital pedal. They, well, not man, like the thing is like they can't, they usually can't even tell. No, they, they'll never know? be able to tell unless you're yeah. going to have like maybe three guitar players sitting in the back, like with their arms folded kind of. Yeah. And I hate but, those people, but nobody cares. And I'm, I'm that person <laughs> at every fucking show. I if know I, you if are. I went That's and saw what, your like show, you I'd be I'm the same. talking about. I hate you. I'm, I'm even at your shows, Megan. Now when you play guitar, I'm that person. I fucking show. know you are. And you know what? Like you are who I hear in the back of my head anytime I fuck up. So fuck you. Yep, you're welcome. Just click over the corner, arms crossed. Yep. Literally, what do you as if I don't have the pressure of the elitist <laughs> DJ community already on my shoulders because I'm not playing on CDJs and I'm not playing on vinyl. I got this ass hat staring at me, wondering why I'm playing on like a fucking floor box mixing unit, and I don't know any. Anything except the fucking pentatonic minor. Yep. Fuck you, yeah, Pat. Yeah. yeah, hey, you know the major too now. Okay, I only learned that so that I could sit in on blues night. <laughs> Megan, what do you use for your setup for guitar? She uses my old pedal. I do. Oh, nice. <laughs> she, kicked I me, actually... she kicked me out of the band and took my pedals. Oh my God. God. Get oh, the fuck over it. Um, no, honestly though, uh, I used to use that line six. Now I'm still on a line six, but I had that uh, M box. Oh, the, uh, no, not M box. M100. The, yeah, the M, yeah, I know what you're talking about. The M100 stomp box, that's what it was. Yeah, and, so it called the M5. Yeah, and yeah. it was really awesome for what it was. It had over a hundred different like model effects. It was mm-hmm. pretty tight. It allowed you to adjust, I mean, like yeah. one-tenth of what the pedal board that you gave me is, but it was also one-tenth mm-hmm. the size, and somebody right. stole it at Sonic Bloom, so right. I've been using that. <laughs> yeah, you, you're, uh, oh. you're using a Boss ME280. Right oh, now. I thought it was a line six. I don't no. even know what the fuck I'm using. I use one set. Dude, so. I used to fucking, I used to use a line six, like, keyboard for my guitar. It was like a, it was like a KB37, but I used to fly with a fucking keyboard. No shit. That I never used. I would just plug my guitar into the back of it. And just run it to through, use that as, as like my, an FX unit. Yeah, that was when I was like 19, had no idea what that I was doing. That is hilarious and, and awesome. Yeah. The things that we do, we were just talking about this the other day about, like, everybody's, like, orientation into a DAW. And a lot of people were fucking with like Fruity Loops when they were really young. Before it was even a DAW, it was like more of a sequencer. And Mm -hmm. I was one of those people, but like prior to that, I was kind of doing this weird, you know, like idiot savant sort of thing with Sound Recorder, that like Microsoft program where you could, I mean, it opened that tiny little box called Sound Recorder. And then I would like record yeah. my guitar or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I would open Sound Recorder again because you could open multiple applications or you could open one application multiple times. So oh, I basically really? essentially That's... play it out of a speaker into the microphone again and do multi-track recording. Really? Yeah. That seems oh, shit. unnecessary. It, I was just basically making what <laughs> is like probably the most <laughs> authentic lo-fi of the digital age. Yeah. <laughs> making it on Windows 95 with Sound Recorder. I've never even heard Dude. of Sound Recorder. That, yeah, I've never heard of that before. I used to use Audacity. I don't I know if you that. guys have seen that. Sound Recorder was just yeah. like this thing that came with every Windows. Oh, really? Like it was an internal program that let you record voice memos, but that was like uh, so life-changing like their version of GarageBand, basically. Probably, yeah. I mean, I remember it recorded Audacity, one though. thing, and you could save that yeah. and delete it. That was when, it. I, <laughs> when I downloaded Audacity, and I'm much older than you guys, uh, when I was 18 in high school, I downloaded Audacity and there was a Roots song and I reversed it, the whole song. And, you and thought I was, it was like, cool, didn't you? I was like, oh no, I'm a producer. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Man, I used to do the same shit, dude. I used to do like matchups too. Yeah. I used to get oh, like no. fucking hip hop beats and throw acapellas over them and the like throw them on YouTube. Of <laughs> I was hot dude. shit. Yeah. Dude, what happened oh, to like girl talk and later babes? That was such Man, a huge girl thing. Girl talk still rocks it. Do they? He's, yeah, yeah, girl talks. He's still Holy crushing. Shit. I feel like I saw them like he, three or four years ago, and they were crushing. He's, yeah, he, he played like Coachella, dude. He's fucking awesome, man. He he like he wraps his computer and controllers in like Saran wrap, and then like has like a hundred people on stage just like fucking popping bottles of champagne and like spraying it everywhere. It's like a party. That sounds like um, you know, like he's been doing something right. If you can do that, if you can bring that many people on, and you got to wrap your gear. Yeah, he's been killing it. For sure. That sounds like super fun, but super. I I would be super sketched out even if I had it all saran wrapped and everything like that. Really? Oh, dude, I, I don't know. I it's funny, anybody. like your level of like how kind of drunk you are on stage in terms of like when I go up. Obviously, I've had like a couple, and I'm Charles, whatever. But like for those sets I've played before that are two hours long or whatever, like by ninety minutes in, I've had people like storm the stage and start twerking and stuff. And I've had like points where I'm sober and I'm like, bitch, get off stage. You know, I'm just like, absolutely not. And then (laughs) I've had other times where I'm like, whoa, fuck it. You know, (laughs) I'm just like not caring that people set their drink like right next to my computer, like a total. Yeah. Yeah. I would hate that. I I had a chick do that one time in like Dallas. She like came up and started twerking on stage and her butt hit the table and she knocked the whole table into the crowd. And I grabbed my, I literally grabbed my computer as it was falling and like, got it off the table and the mixer and like everything went to the crowd oh, and everybody like, shit. I thought everybody's going to be pissed and they all just started like yelling and like chanting and screaming and dancing. That's kind of like, like normal right for now. crowd mentality. I feel like, but like, damn. Well, it's, it's so like the, the tagline is kind of true. Girl. The tagline is kind of true. Everything's bigger in Texas. Yeah. Yeah. They go all in there. I was saying more, I refer more to the twerking. No. <laughs> it was also it was like a fucking frat party or something. <laughs> That's cool. So long ago. I think Big Boy, Big Boy was supposed to close out the show and he Shut like never up. showed up. So oh I ended up playing God. for like three hours. Nice. Uh good times. That's cool. So hey, you just got off tour. Where were you at? Tell us a little bit about it. Um tour. I was man, I was on tour with Defunk for a little bit um so we hit like mostly the east coast midwest and canada and then i did a couple shows at showdown and megan here and then um Woo. what else did i do Halloween, which was fucking awesome oh, that's sick um and then yeah chicago I, i've had like the last month off which has been nice but touring nice. is about to start back up in like two weeks here cool where are you heading Just kind of enjoying it um doing a whole colorado run and then doing Gem and Jam, like Salt Lake City, a um, couple other places. And then we have a spring tour that we're about to announce as well. Nice. I'll see you at Gem and Jam. Yes, you will. Oh, Stoked for that one. Get a song done someday so we can play it together live. We, we should just, yeah, why don't we just do that? We should do that for sure. Oh, we'll do that. Is this the inception? Boom. This is collab inception right yeah. here. Oh, we yeah. just made it. It's already in, in existence. Nice. Yeah. By the time people hear this episode, Dude, the song will be done. Since we're talking about that, um... I loved Ricky Gervais' roast of Leonardo DiCaprio when he was hosting. Oh, on the Golden Globes? Yeah, and he made fun of him for, oh my God, okay. So, like, the whole speech was absolutely hysterical. I don't know if you saw it, Corey, but. I, I, yeah, I didn't, but I, everybody's been talking about it. He just grilled it. the whole Academy and basically, like, every filmmaker and actor in the world and just said, like, 
you have no place to tell people what to do politically because all of you are bought and sold and it's ridiculous. And yeah. so like when you oh, come really? up and Ricky get your Gervais award, like don't, don't use it as a platform to spill your political bullshit on everyone. Just thank your God and thank your fucking family and get the fuck off stage. He said that? Dead I did ass. see that part. That's Verbatim he said that. And then Verbatim he said, yeah. he said that? Yes. No shit. And no bullshit. Absolutely. Absolutely. Really? 100%. Right, he said this. that. He's drinking a beer on stage. Ricky which Gervais I've never it. seen the host of an Academy Award of any kind go on stage with a drink in their hand. He drinks the beer yeah. the whole time. He doesn't really? give a shit. And he keeps saying like, fifth year, I don't care. They're not going to have me again. They obviously don't care. This is my fifth time doing it. They couldn't even have the balls <laughs> to get someone else. Like, oh, good. Good for him. Yeah. Then he calls it all out. And um, he roasts Leonardo DiCaprio, who's sitting in the crowd, because since Leonardo was 24 years old and now he's 49, yeah. He has never had a girlfriend under the age or over the age of 25. Really? Ever. And like somebody made a chart of it on Reddit's subreddit, data is beautiful. And it's literally just like this chart going up and down from 21 to 25 with eight different women in the past like 15 years. Yeah. And he wow. just like, right now he's dating someone that was a tiny bit less than half his age. Really? Yes. Baller. Yeah. So anyway, he, date, he dated he dated Giselle for a while though. Giselle Bunchen. He started dating her when she when she was eighteen and he was twenty four. And Seriously? then they dated oh, for like five years. And now she's married to Tom Brady. Oh shit! Who do you think, wait, who do you think has more here. money, Tom Brady or Leonardo DiCaprio? Oof! You know I was gonna uh, say obviously Leo. 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 You think Leo? I think it's but Tom. now oh, yeah. I'm like oof. That's a tough with all the endorsements and shit. Dude, I think it's Tom Brady. You guys. I don't know, dude. We can Tom's check been a Tom's been a team player, man. He takes like pay cuts for <laughs> his team and shit right. like that. So you're probably are you a football fan? Oh yeah, I'm you're a probably Patriots a Patriots fan. fan, aren't you? Because you're <laughs> yeah, like the land England, of like yeah. no fandom, but close yeah. enough that you want to cheer for the the winners, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not a bandwagon Pats fan, but okay. I am Tom a Pats Brady's fan. net worth <laughs> as of 2018 or 19 was 180 million dollars. Oh, that's not that much. I thought it would be more. Okay, so Leo. That's probably with Giselle too. Oh, two hundred fifty million. Two hundred sixty million. Thank you, Kaya. Uh, two hundred sixty million. Wow, is his net worth. So anyway, wow. y'all have a long Good way to get to Jeff Bezos, but it's cool. Well, how would you feel if you were Tom Brady and just got like DiCaprio scraps there? He really did it everywhere. And you're like half as rich. I don't know. I would I mean, just go <laughs> stare at my knuckles for a while. Yeah, I mean, I'd also be Tom Brady, so like, I I wouldn't care. I mean, <laughs> like, go. who do you who do you think has a uh, a more impressive resume though, DiCaprio or Tom Brady? Ooh, that's a good question that's too. A that question, is a right? good question. I I consider Leo one of the top actors. He's like, one of my ever. favorites, hands down, of all time. Yeah, Dude, like he was in he growing might, pains. He, he might actually be one of my favorite actors ever. Him in the him in the fucking The Dark Knight. Oh, um, Christian Bale. Christian Bale. Yeah. yeah, he's fucking crazy good too. I he dude, is great. I think I who would you? I think I'd rather be. Who would win in a weight loss competition? I don't Tom know. Hanks or Christian Bale? Tom Hanks or Christian Bale? Ooh. Hello, Castaway and the Machinist. Thanks oh. for laughing, roommate Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I'd have to say Leo. I yeah. think he's just got that physique. He could just like lose a shit ton of weight. Well, no, 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 not no, Leo. No, no. Christian Bale or Tom Hanks. Ooh, Christian Bale. <laughs> See, I think he Leo looks skinnier. Leo has that dad bod, that look that just 
exudes the I don't give a fuck, I'm still gonna date 24 year olds. I have never yeah. been attracted to Leonardo DiCaprio. I've always thought he was a little shit since he was on Growing Pains when he was Kurt Cameron's fake younger brother. You just hated him because on um, What's Eating Gilbert Grape. I never even you saw that him. shit. He's just not hot. And it, yeah, he has a dad bod and he keeps dating like his daughter reincarnate. And um, I don't know. I really like you Catch Me If You like Can, which also pleasure. has Tom Hanks in it. Do we have a guilty? Do you have like a Do you have like a guilty pleasure actor or actress that you like really like that like uh, no one likes? Oh man, yeah, I Probably. think a lot of it is for me. I I really get like all my guilty pleasure movies are comedies, and I think it's I think it has to be Will Ferrell. I know it's that's cliche. not a guilty fucking pleasure. Yeah, it's totally a guilty. <laughs> that's like pleasure. you saying unpopular opinion. I love Will Ferrell. No, that is a guilty pleasure. Oh my god, that's you're what ridiculous. I defer to. That's what I defer to. I, I'll tell you my guilty pleasure music. I'll listen to the first Sugar Ray album. Oh, who is it? Like fucking Lady Gaga? No, Sugar Ray. I'll listen to Sugar Ray. That's my oh guilty pleasure. Oh my music. God, Pat. You're sickening me. Will Ferrell's not unpopular. No, I'm not, I'm not saying it's unpopular. I'm that's saying that's point. my guilty pleasure. What? It's a guilty pleasure. No, I'll his just... question is, who do you like that you fucking shouldn't? Is that what that means? Dude, I, mine I is wrong, like Shia Corey? LaBeouf. Is that what you Shia were Shia LaBeouf? Shia LaBeouf. I think he's such a good actor. Really? Yeah, and, like, people <laughs> hate like, on him really? so much <laughs> because of, like, you know, like, you know, all this fucking Disney right. acting shit or whatever. But, dude, he's so good. Dude, even Stevens is hilarious. I'm oh, yeah. What about Holes? Classic. I never saw that movie. I read the book. Oh, what? Classic. You never saw Holes? No, I feel like that's, like, a book. rite of passage. I'm older than you guys. Thanks for keeping bringing that up, Pat. I know. <laughs> You're old. I saw you walk in here in your new balances. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't know. Megan, what's yours? You got a guilty pleasure? Ugh, you know, okay. So if we were talking about like the way that I thought Corey meant it, as in like someone that, you know, like I shouldn't really dig, but like But you do? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I really fucking love Gwyneth Paltrow and Cameron Diaz. Uh, And not together. But like I have never seen a role of either of them when I was like, I hate you right now. Yeah. You know what? Those are pretty good. I like them. They're I guess funny. if I have to go to like, good. I, I guess we have to go to like a more not mainstream than Will Ferrell answer. I might say Fred Armisen. No, I was going to say like Woody, Woody Harrelson, any Woody Harrelson okay. role, any Woody Harrelson role, I think All is right. fantastic. But again, you're picking someone that people fucking love. Well, so did you, you picked fucking Gwyneth Paltrow. People don't like her. They don't No, She's like six feet tall and she's old. <laughs> <laughs> In their most popular role, she's named Pepper, and then overshadowed uh, by a man in an iron suit. You know suit. what? I never. She thought, is I never pretty f- hated, dude. People fucking hate her. Thank you. It's because she married Chris Martin, and people hate Coldplay, right? Yeah, Coldplay's very easy to Coldplay hate. Coldplay sucks. Okay, so I like Coldplay. So there's another one for me. <laughs> <laughs> Pat, I hope you turned yellow. That's my Coldplay joke. Coldplay jaundice joke. I don't get it. Oh, <laughs> nice, jaund- nice jaundice reference. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, you know, I've never found Gwyneth Paltrow attractive until she became a redhead in Pepper Potts. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. Well, anyway. I, yeah, I kind of, I don't know. She was kind of attractive in seven. Who's your top five guitarist, Corey? Ooh. This is a question oh, that you all can go on about. Yeah. Uh, man, Steve Ray Vaughan. It's just like, I mean, he's probably my biggest inspiration for guitar. Um, Santana is oh, Flames. Good call. Good call. Um, I mean, obviously, like Hendrix, man, this is so long. 
Yeah. Can go on and on. Clapton, all those dudes. Man, another guilty pleasure who I really like, dude. Angus Young from ACDC. Absolutely. Fucking shreds. 100%. 100 yeah. I think people uh, overlook ACDC and like what they, because all their music quote sounds the same. And it, like, yeah, I get they put the same album out 10 times. You yeah, know, but it shit, doesn't but like, it doesn't diminish the fact that they f- are fucking killer at what they do. Yeah, I mean, they're really good. And he just like Angus Young just shreds guitar. Dude, I know. I, I 100% agree. I think I'd have to say for my favorite guitar players, if I had to pick a top five, it's not about like skill, like who's the best guitar player. It's who are your favorites. And I think yeah. I think I would put um, in no particular order, I think I would say Hendrix. And it took me a long time to warm up to Hendrix. I used to think he was overrated until I started playing guitar and tried to play what he plays. And then I realized like, oh my God, he's, yeah, like, oh, he shit. totally <laughs> is awesome. Uh, him, Stevie Ray Vaughan, listened to a lot of Stevie Ray Vaughan. I can't play like him at all though, because he fucking wails. And uh, he's got style, dude. Seriously, and especially when he, his slower stuff is more impressive to me, like mm-hmm. his jazzier stuff. Um, John Frusciante, for sure, probably like one of my biggest influences of all time, just because of the era I grew up in. And ooh, who else would I say? I really like some jazz dudes. Like I, I think I want to say I don't know. Whatever I could go on and on and on. There's the Dude, list is endless for like who's your favorite another, player. Yeah, another guilty pleasure, John Mayer. Absolutely. Oh, dude, John Mayer is the greatest guitar player of our generation, hands he's, down. He's like insane, dude. The dude can play anything. Like his just versatility is just like out of this world. Yeah, he's mind blowing. I was kind of like shocked when I saw him touring with Dead and Company, but like I, no, after dude, like assessing can, it, like I'm like, oh, okay, he can I get play it. That guy can play anything, any style. Dude, yeah. like a list of guitar players that they could choose, I would have put him at like the bottom, <laughs> like, and and he just like came out and just started shredding, dude, and I was like. Yeah, I was blown away by that shit. That's like really what made me like John Mayer. Actually, did when you he started see playing with the dead? The, yeah, you saw that then. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was awesome. Um, I mean, Michael Menner like put me onto that because I didn't even know until Michael told me because he was working. Um, yeah, he was doing a like bit. a sound tech for them, right? Or like some sort of yeah, work yeah, exactly. Damn, that's crazy. Um, he was working with uh, Mickey, right? Oh, he's doing, you he know, still works for at Mickey's, Mickey's studio, right? I think so. I think they're still friends. Like we had him on, we had him on last year around this time. Yeah, actually, last time I was talking to him, he was working in his studio. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he was but. working with Mickey, Mickey Hart, right? That's yeah. yeah. Have y'all heard of um, Kingfish? A chance? No. He's this I have like heard of Kingfish. You have? That doesn't sound familiar. He's like it's, this. He's like a, it's a dude, right? Yeah, he's sort of this like BB King reincarnate dude who's like 19 years old and. He just put out his first album, I think, and it was unbelievable. But he's really, like, blowing up as this extremely, like, prodigious, respected young guitarist that plays in, like, the same vein as Stevie Ray Vaughan and, like, B.B. King. And people are really mind-blown by him. He's very, very bluesy and fantastic. He's a young kid. That's fucking, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. He just plays, like, just shreds blues, basically. Yeah, it's unbelievable. That's super cool. Yeah. So it's cool to to see it coming back. I think it is coming back a lot. I think a lot of the older things are like making their way, way around. And I honestly want to say that it's a lot in part due to hip hop and electronic music because it's such a sample based, um, right. yeah. like routine that those are bringing like old samples into light and making people stoked on sounds that aren't really popular anymore mm-hmm. and that you can't find in today's music. And so I think that it is kind of a cool way to like bring them back into 
light again and make people kind of inspired all over again by bringing them in. It's just like, it's just like bringing more soul into it. I feel like right. like the new music nowadays, and, you know, like Anderson Pack, like huge contributor to that shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How um, do you, so Corey, how do you feel about with your music? Do you, do you like to sample a lot or do you not, do you kind of try to steer away from that and do more original stuff? What's your opinion? On well, that? yeah, like I started, um, you know, like the first four years I was making music, I was sampling like every song. Um, and the only reason I really stopped, I still love it, but it's just copyright issues. Right. You know, like putting the music up on like Spotify and shit. It, if it's heavily it sampled. Flagged. Yeah. Instantly. Yeah. Yeah. If you get flagged, it can get like, you know, I'd like, I did a remix of the Rolling Stones and got taken down like three months later or something. I got like a, a message from SoundCloud saying, it was like my first strike. If I got two more, they would take down my account. And after that, I was like, all right, right. I got to like chill on this for a little bit. You know, it's funny. Like I was, uh, I, I try to dabble in production. Um, I'm going to come right out and say it. I'm terrible at it, but that's not true. You've gotten a lot better. I have. Thank you. But it's not good. Anyway, uh, I've sent Megan a few things and there was this one, uh, like Bootsy Collins song, I think that I was just kind of like doing like a, like an edit to just at beefing up the drums and whatnot. And I uploaded it to a private SoundCloud um, thing. And even that got flagged. So I got that first warning too. It's nice though, at least if you upload and you're in private that they don't give you an official flag. No, they did. They sent, they gave me an official flag. No, no, no. They'll send you a, we are taking this down, but they won't. Give no, they, you no, they took strike. it down. No, they took it down. No, I know that they'll say we're taking it down, but you don't get oh, a strike. I see what you're saying. Oh, it yeah, used yeah, to yeah. be as like that you could upload and they could give you a strike for that, even if it was privatized, but they at least changed it to where if you upload it privatized and it is copyrighted that they'll take it down immediately. In fact, they won't even let you upload it sometimes oh, really? and they'll send you an email yeah. that says, Hey, you tried to do this, but we're not letting you, okay. but they're not giving you a strike, which is oh, like, I see what you're that saying. was the scare of like four or five years ago, you know, right. when J pod got his yeah. whole SoundCloud deleted and everybody got their mm-hmm. fucking shit scared out of them. And everybody was like, the, the whole thing was that like lots of people, including myself were privatizing songs on SoundCloud because they felt like, okay, well, if it's not public access anymore, even though it's sampled, then it shouldn't be flagged. But they were flagging privatized (laughs) things as well. So people were still getting their accounts taken down even after having done that. So that was like a policy they definitely did need to change. Yeah. So I'm glad that they did. I have a funny story about this. I I have a song called Odyssey. It was like on my last album. Um, And I did like a funny Instagram video where like, I played the buildup of that song and then the drop went into photograph by Nickelback. Dude, that's so and funny. I exported the song and was uploading it to SoundCloud and I uploaded it and like put it on public and it got taken down immediately and I got a second strike for it. And I was like, what the fuck? Like there's no samples in this. What's going on? And I read it and it was like, this song contains uh, you know, whatever, whatever of the song photographed by Nickelback. I was like, what the fuck is going on right now? And I clicked on the song on my desktop and I played it and I must have like renamed Photograph by Nickelback as like my song and I uploaded it to SoundCloud. (laughs) (laughs) You just uploaded the whole song, Photograph? (laughs) Uploaded the entire (laughs) Photograph song. That's hilarious. Yeah. So now I'm like extra careful. I don't fuck around on SoundCloud. You you have one strike left, don't you? Yeah, I got one more. How many followers you got? I don't know, over... Around fifteen thousand, probably or something. Damn, just like you're, you're so close to losing it all. 
Dude, you know how like there was like a while where those <laughs> just make sure you name stuff properly for living on the edge. Oh man. Dude, they were doing like those photograph <laughs> videos for a while that was Dude, like, that makes in- that made me laugh so hard. That that like running joke of those videos. It was, yeah. <laughs> like um there was one where this guy was just holding up like a, a slope. Like yeah, how to look learn at slope, graph. and it said, <laughs> yeah. But graph. the best part was that they pulled the graph part from photograph. <laughs> and so just long elongated. Yeah, well, they elongated it. <laughs> oh yeah, I've and, seen this. and then when they did that, it detuned it. So the video goes, "Look at this graph," and yeah, it's I like so. As like a musician, it's so infuriating because so it changes key. Like it fucking uh, changes key by like a, a yeah. semitone so and like thirteen cents, and it's like, "Look at this graph," uh, and I'm like, yeah. "Ugh." <laughs> Dude, those those whole like those whole video series of people speaking Dude, at made me laugh so hard. There was that other. Dude, like, there was such a solid year of just those videos <laughs> pumping out like every day. We need, you know what? We need more people to make fun of Nickelback. And also, like, not that these people, that Bon Jovi, I, and I respect needs to be Nickelback. I respect Nickelback, but. Well, maybe Bon Jovi does need to be made fun of. Bon Jovi, all these guys deserve to be made fun. Okay, of. Okay, well, remember that Twitter fucking like extravaganza with living on a prayer. We're like, whoa, halfway there. Whoa, lemon and a pear. And like (laughs) people were like taking pictures of like different things. Yeah. And like be like, they would type over halfway there. Oh, ho. And then it'd just be a picture of a lemon and a pear. Oh, do you I remember do, that? I do remember this. That was pretty funny. Dude, too. how did I miss this? I didn't see any oh of this. Oh my god, there so were so many. Not as, not as there funny was as like, back, okay, the good. best one is that I'm gonna play this video into my mic really quick because it's that funny and it's only like 40 seconds long. But it's this guy watching them and you can hear them all. And he's English and he's laughing. Oh no, you you played this for me. That's time. Enough. Yeah, that's pretty good. Oh my god. Kitten, kitten on a stair. A kitten on a stair. <laughs> and they're like, there's like pictures of all of them and like lipstick on a pair and like wizard at a fair. And <laughs> by the end of this thing, this guy can't even fucking talk because he's like laughing so hard that he's like, what is an outfit? <laughs> like you can't even fucking hear him. But that was one of my favorite That's internet amazing. moments ever. You got to watch that after this, dude. Yeah, I know. What's yeah, up I'm with, definitely going to look that up. What's up with British people, right? <laughs> Lemon pear. <laughs> Um, no, so get, uh, Corey, getting back to my, uh, um, earlier question from 20 minutes ago. Yeah. Sorry, about everybody. 20 minutes. Yeah. We, John, we Fr- I blame John for Shanti. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Uh, but like what kind of music, like, what are you working on right now? Are you working on any music? You got some stuff, some exciting releases coming up? Yeah. Um, we have a release coming out next week actually. Oh, fantastic. Uh, yeah. Depending on when this airs, it might already be out, but it's a collab with Manic Focus. Uh, I'm really yeah, it's called on. Doink, right? Doink. Yeah. Doink. <laughs> Big doink. <laughs> I love that yeah, name. So that, yeah. It's, you'll, yeah, like when you hear the song, the name will make total sense. But um, yeah, so we got that coming out. Uh, have an EP that's pretty much done right now. A um, couple collabs. Have like another like chill, like hip hop EP called like Hidden Groove that I've put out. I put out like two of them already. So this is cool. the third installment. Um, but yeah, just working on like music. You know, I try and work like as much as I can on the road, but like coming home is like really when I bang a lot of stuff out. Yeah, uh, let me ask you this: uh, as as a person who's spent time on the road, you spend you know you spend time in your bedroom. That's kind of how I mean the modern musician. We all start in our bedroom, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, bedroom producers. Yeah. Now, what do you what do you prefer? Would you in an, in an ideal world? 
would you rather be touring and playing these shows and kind of going, going, going nonstop, or would you rather stay put and make your royalties on Spotify or via streams or what have you? Man, I mean, like, obviously for longevity, like, touring is not the main goal, you know, to do forever. You know, I like, I don't think anybody really wants to tour, you know, consistently for the rest of their lives, you know, but, but like for writing music, like touring is so nice for writing music. Cause that's when all the ideas kind of get sparked and you get like mm-hmm. the creativity's flowing on tour, right. you know? Um, so that's like, I use that time to basically start a bunch of tracks as many as I can. Right. And then when I come home is really like when I'll work on them and like finish them you up. Kind of hone them but a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of hone in on it and focus a little bit and, you know, work out the details of the song and whatever, but just starting ideas and new songs, like the road is perfect for that. Cause you're in a new place every day and you know, you're experiencing new shit every day and it's like, it's just the perfect place to write music. Right now. So how do you, how do you find the time? Cause like, I know from being on tour and on, uh, you know, as, as we all do, it's, it's just kind of like, go, 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 go. You might have, you know, you, yeah. know, you make some time to grab breakfast, grab some lunch. But you, you know, drove maybe. a lot too, Pat. Like, I also did drive a lot. Yeah. yeah right. So like you didn't have like the free have. time that some of us would have had, but anyway. Right. Yeah. But, but still like, it is still tough. Sometimes it's tough. Like, I mean, you go back to the hotel and sometimes you just want to chill. Like how can you force yourself to open up, you know, uh, logic and, or whatever doll you use and start yeah. you know, hammering out some ideas? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's totally true, dude. You know, like, a lot of times, it's like, man, all I want to do is just, like, sleep when you get to the hotel, you know, mm-hmm. you just don't feel like working. I don't, I don't, when I'm on the road, I don't really try and force it. It's just, like, sometimes I'll get, like, a spark or something. It's usually when I'm sitting in the green room, like, listening to other artists play, honestly. Whoa, um, no, 100%. It's, like, because, you know, like, listening to other artists play and listening to their music, it kind of, like, takes you out of your own head, Um and, you know, like, so I was touring with Opio last year and just going on the road with him. I think I started like six new tracks in the span of like a week just Amazing. from like listening to his sets and listening to what he did. Um, so like most of the songs that I start are usually either in like green rooms or like on an airplane. Basically, I really don't work too much in a hotel. Dude, airplanes only drive me nuts because of like that low bass hum that you're hearing the whole time of the plane. It fucks me up with my sub. And every time I like go plug it in to listen to it again later, I feel like it sounds awful because my mix is so bad. But But maybe that's like a headphone issue. Noise canceling. The noise canceling headphones, like for me, it kind of fixed that problem. Yeah. I guess my noise canceling ones are earbuds. So it's like, so do you, Corey, do you use uh, logic? Is that your dog? Yeah. Yep. I use logic and I just downloaded Fruity Loops. Well, my roommate did, but yeah, I'm trying to dabble in Fruity Loops again. Cause I recently like started in Fruity Loops. So yeah, we had like an electronic music class in my high school and that was like what they started us on. And then we moved to logic once we could like figure out Fruity Loops. Dude, I it's think like, we've probably discussed so easy. that you use logic, but you'll be the first mm-hmm. person that's like outside of house music that I've ever collabed with. Yeah, there's a lot that of house will be producers. In logic. There's a lot of house really? producers that use yeah. logic, and I don't know why. I yeah. think uh I think actually K- does doesn't K Lab use logic too? He does. He does, yeah. He actually, does. okay, I've gotta take it back then. We made two tracks in logic as well, but yeah. Uh, yeah, so, very small group though. It is. It's so fucking yeah. Because everybody dude. uses Ableton, and like that's why I asked you that question because I wanted to ask you then how do you come up with ideas? Like, do you do you throw down? Because in Ableton, it's so easy. You can go to like the the session view, and you can just like throw down scenes, right? Like, oh, here's a here's an intro, here's a verse, here's a chorus, whatever drop. Uh, so how do you when you start approaching a song and you start writing on the road when you have that idea? 
is there, is it always kind of like a verse or do you hear the drop and you throw that down and then, or, you know, what have you, what do you, how I do you usually, I mean, so logic is basically just a big session here. Like, of course. so yeah. I usually, you know, I'll start with like, it, it really depends, man. Sometimes I'll start with a baseline or drums mm-hmm. or, um, recently I've just been starting basically, yeah, with the bass and the drums. Mm-hmm. for my last couple of songs but sometimes you know you're like you'll hear a melody or something sure that you just record in like shit midi mm-hmm. and then you know go back and like make it sound good afterwards but yeah it's yeah I, it kind of depends you know um sometimes i'll find a dope sample to do on like splice or you know a sample pack or something mm-hmm. um that you just build around that as well do you but yeah it kind of differs now so when, you, when it comes to um approaching you know songwriting do you just kind of try to hammer out MIDI to come up with ideas or do you kind of sit down and write it on your guitar or is it your guitar more of like um, an accent to your music? Yeah. Again, like, like a lot of times I will pick up my guitar and I'll just fuck around with chords, you know, cause that's when I'm most comfortable playing. Um, but yeah, a lot of time, most of the time I'd say is probably, I just go into MIDI and logic and just, you know, fuck around on there until I come up with something that sounds cool. That's cool. And then when you when you do add your guitar, do you feel like you add your guitar early in the process, or do you add it kind of like like last minute type thing just to kind of add yeah no fine detail yeah no surprisingly guitar is like the, one of the last things I add yeah I've approached usually. that the same way too as a guitar player like if I'm sitting down and working on music it's kind of like my last thought I feel like sometimes you have to really assess like what it needs and that's like yeah. I made a post yeah, yeah. like yesterday about how. Like I've kind of resolved that like brandability is bullshit in in certain degrees in regards to what I do. You're talking so, about like your music, your yeah, brandability like, from like, like a musical sense. I mean, to paraphrase what I had said was just that like sometimes I used to get nervous about how many features that I was putting on a track, thinking like, oh my god, you know, maybe I should have some tracks that are just me, um, just so that people know that you know I'm good too, and I don't need someone to be on a track for it to be good. But like, like getting rid of that ego and getting rid of that mentality is sort of integral integral to making the song into like what it could and should be. Right. And I shouldn't be like obsessing mm-hmm. over if I'm having a feature or not. If the feature adds to the song then I'm going to do it and it doesn't matter if they're a xylophonist or a cellist or an upright bassist or a violinist or a guitarist, I'm going to add what the song needs. What about the guy who plays the spoons in his mouth? Like, dude, we've had, be- we've had Jimmy slapping his belly on a track. Oh, before. That's true. I'll do what it needs, yeah. bro. That's true. No way. What what did you use that sound for? Was that for a drum? Auxiliary percussion. Yeah, Yeah, it was aux percussion. (laughs) I could just smack it. Yeah, and you can totally hear it in there. Yeah, if you if you listened for it on that track, you can definitely hear it. (laughs) Yeah, whatever it needs. Oh, that's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, but but for sure, like, is in terms of like you being someone who you play the keys a bit as well, and I'm sure like you obviously can play the bass, and I don't know if you dabble in like drums and things, but. You know, anyway, like I kind of when I finish something, I'll assess, okay, like what does this song really need? I made a Latin song yesterday and I'm like, okay, this needs classical guitar and a trumpet. You know, now I got to go yeah. find those things. And those aren't in my skill set. Um, right. But if, if they are, I'm happy to do them, you know. Right. But anyway, sometimes sure. it doesn't yeah, work exactly. out. Yeah, I think it's the same thing for me. Sometimes, yeah, like I'll, I'll start thinking about that, like, you know, what do I need on a track or whatever? And it kind of like takes away from my creativity a bit. Um, so I usually just like, it's weird. Like I'll, I'll fill the song with like shitty sounding MIDI, whatever, kind of you know, it like, out, right? 
But yeah, mark it out, get the idea down, and then fine tune it later. For sure, right. that's um, like a thing. And they fill use it for with flow. like you know real. Right. Yeah, it's kind of like, it's like a splurge. I've heard it. called. Yeah, lots of teacher teachers like teach that style where. Like, especially JP at Slam Academy sure, here in yeah. Minneapolis, we have an electronic music production school called Slam Academy. And uh, Kaya, mm-hmm. who's on the shell, is actually taking lessons from JP, who's the owner. But he is a huge proprietor of not doing any mixing while you're creating, essentially. And that is mm-hmm. so fucking hard for me. And, you know, I've tried it and I'm not doing it. It's not my thing. Well, at least, I you, think gotta put, at least you gotta sidechain the drums, right? I think it's preferential. I think it's preferential. <laughs> Of like how much mixing it is that you do, but I just like can't let things go on sometimes unless they're right. like fucking yeah. mixed. You gotta tweak it a little bit. Yeah, for me it's like not black and white. It's like like as a musician and a producer, like if it, the sound or if like the sound is like annoying as fuck, yeah, you're not just gonna be able to like glance over it. No. You know, like it's you're gonna have to fix it. Yes. So like I just get it to a point where I can deal with it. Mm-hmm. Yes. a little bit where it's not just like so shitty sounding that it drives me nuts. Sure. Right. Um, and then, you know, like obviously go back and seriously fine tune it. Yeah. Right. It down I feel like it's Absolutely. also like 100%, 100%. circumstantial, you know, sometimes like I'm in such a writing mode where I'm like, yeah, you want to, okay, kick I already did ideas. this. This is pretty cool. I'll fuck with yeah. it later. And I, I got to keep going. And I'm going to do this like intro or like this, like uh build up or this like build or like this what, breakdown or like yeah. whatever the fuck that what, it is. What and I feel yeah. like so inspired to keep going that I, that I don't do mix downs, but, at, right. but other times I find like total pleasure in like making an eight bar segment and mixing the ever living shit out of it until right. it's perfect because then I can take yeah. those elements and I can use that for the buildup and I can use those well, in the drop. I can use the tops and the breakdown I can, <clears> and they already sound good. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's all circumstantial. Basically. I think, yeah. I think what it comes down to is, do whatever what it, you want. Ooh, no, no, I was going to say that. I was going to say if you can if you can figure out multiple workflows and you know what works for you at that given moment, then you can run with it. Like if you're feeling very creative and like arranging type of mood, uh, just go with it and use your just general crappy MIDI and just go with it and write that song. Exactly. If you're feeling very yeah. like detail oriented and you want that you want that like white noise riser to sound very particular. You know, if that if that's a key element to what you're trying to do at that moment, go for it. You know, yeah. And then, exactly. but, but don't get yeah. don't don't let it stalwart you. Don't let it suck you in and and you know, kill your your whole fucking mood or whatever. You know what kills yeah. your mood is looking at any social media. And I've also like sorry, pivotal. I've had to like shut my Slack chat with all my management because there's nothing like being in the zone and having someone be like. Hey, by the way, I think you should change this on another song you submitted. <laughs> and then I'm like doubting my entire artistic integrity. And yeah, I'm like, holy yeah, shit, I suck. Mood. And why yeah. am I even doing this? I'm gonna watch fucking girls on HBO. It's like when it's like you're almost you're, like uh, offended too. You're like, what yeah. the fuck? Totally like, offended. Yeah. I do not take criticism well. <laughs> yeah. But I'm self-aware. Yeah. I mean it's like it's like when you're um during a moment of intimacy where you you say something. And they're like, yeah, I guess. Like, oh. <laughs> you're just like torn apart by it. Right. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you're like, well, I'm going to bed. This is over. This reminded me of like a really <laughs> random fucking thing, but in terms of like, what is this? Saying things where you shouldn't. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're saying things at the wrong time. <laughs> when I was like in bed with my current girlfriend for the first time, like three years ago, oh. I had just seen the new Ali Wong 
stand-up comedy. Yeah, you threw out a cool line, you thought? Oh, God. <laughs> We're, like, laying oh, in no. bed. <laughs> I think we had just hooked up, and I, like, start thinking about this Ali Wong stand-up. It had just been, like, the light of my life, like, the <laughs> couple nights before that, and I couldn't stop thinking about how fucking funny she was. She has this part where she's like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm not going to say this because this is what, this is what I actually fucking said. I was like, I started laughing out of nowhere, which I'm like a total morning laugher. I'll just like wake up and be like, Tah! and like people be like, what the fuck? And I'll be like, oh, I thought of this thing from three days ago, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. That's typical of me. So I'm like, I do that. I laugh out of nowhere. Haley's like, what, what are you laughing at? And I'm like, oh my God, this Ali Wong, Wong segment where she's like, who here has HPV? And like a couple people like raise their hand. She's like, shut the fuck up. Everybody has HPV. If you don't have HPV, you're a fucking loser. Well, yeah. And then I realized oh like I was God. in bed with someone I just slept with that I didn't know well. And I decided of all the things in that whole fucking standup that Ali Wong had just done, that that was a perfect time for me to bring up a, a sexually transmitted disease and laugh about it yeah. and that, that everybody has it. So now um, everyone knows my <laughs> personal hilarious. life. Um, oh, all right. Anyway. Uh, Corey, we're, we're about to, uh, we're, we're working on like an hour here, so we're probably going to wind down here a little bit, but... Uh, this I'm glad episode, I could leave us cool. with that. Yeah, awesome. we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out here. Um, but uh, hey, man, thank you so much for joining us. And is there anything that you want to tell our listeners? You gonna you want to plug anything? Uh, any dates? Any any upcoming releases? Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. This was awesome. Um, yeah, just check out the new track with Manic Focus. Um, depending on when this comes out, should be out already. And yep. look out for spring tour dates. Cool. Dropping pretty soon as well. Oh, yeah. And uh, what's your what's your website? Do you have a website? Or yeah, it's marvelyearsmusic.com. Marvelyearsmusic.com. We got all your tour dates and all the cool stuff on there. That's it. Everything's on there. Oh, cool. Uh, do you know uh, stage and day and time of your Gem and Jam set by chance yet? Um, I believe I'm playing on Friday. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure it's Friday. I'm not sure of the stage yet. Um, but yeah, when I find out, I'll be posting on all my socials and everything. So well, look out for that. Should know we're soon. on the same stage. I'm on the court stage, but not till Sunday. So cool. Nice. Hell yeah. Very nice, cool. Nice. Well, thanks dude. I appreciate it Hell so yeah. much. Have a great day in the yeah. sunshine. I'm staring yeah. at the fucking snow right now. Enjoy so. it. So <laughs> yeah. You guys enjoy the rest of your day. Yeah. You too, my dude. I'll hit you up about, we're going to make some music and logic collabo yes do it yes king all right i'll talk to you soon peace out my man all right later guys later all right that was so great thank you so much Corey, for joining us um and before we go megan you have some exciting dates coming up here right around the corner you wanted to talk about i sure do i've got hotel minnesota next weekend on saturday that's in plymouth minnesota naturally i mean the minnesota part right 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 (laughs) yeah um, and then I am actually going to head out to Denver from the 21st through the 25th with Will Robinson to record a music video at the Denver Kush Club Grow House. And then I will be headed up to Gem and Jam in Tucson on the 31st of January so that we can, yeah, play Gem and Jam and then take the RV all the way across Texas, Louisiana, stop in Nolens for a little bit yeah. for Mardi Gras. And, um... How they call it, burn air, go scuba diving for like a week after the Tranquility Festival. Explain that. What is that phrase, burn air? Yeah. What does that mean? It means you use air. Like, 
oxygen tanks. Oh, well, like, let's burn some air, bro. Well, isn't that what everybody does every day with breathing? Um, yeah, but I guess there's not like a finite amount in our lungs. Huh. Okay. So when you use that air, you burned it, you know, like it's gone. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. Well, that's, that's a cool phrase. And then, so what are you doing down in uh, that area? You're going to Florida, right? Yeah. And we're going to go scuba diving. I'm going with my homie, Patrick and Haley and Kaya. And, um, he is a chef as well as a master diver. So I'm going to get my advanced open water cert, hopefully. And then, he was a chef that was tra- his mentor was the guy that invented the Cheddar Bay biscuits at Red Lobster. So wait, I know that's exciting. I know, and so we're. I, my main goal is I really want to spearfish a few things and cook them myself, and that's like one of my biggest goals of this road trip is to okay. go diving, spearfish a few things, and be able to cook them. And he said lionfish is super bomb, which okay. is scary. Because, yeah, aren't they really poisonous? Yeah, they're, but they're an invasive species, so it's like good to catch them and oh, to, sure. to eat them. But I don't know how the fuck you catch them. So, Patrick, I can't wait for you to show me, and yeah. hopefully I don't die. And then what are you playing a festival in Florida, though? Yeah, well? Brainquility Festival in Live Oak. It's a Suwannee where they have uh, Huluween and all that. Oh, sure, sure. Uh, you know, one of my coworkers went to Suwannee Halloween, and he said it was terrifying because there were snakes and it's like in the middle of a swamp, but nobody else believed him. Huh. He was terrified the whole time. Weird. People really love that venue. So yeah, maybe well, he just ran into like a snake and couldn't <laughs> he, stop did. Thinking he about did. It. He ran into one snake and couldn't stop thinking about it uh, pretty much is what, what I've deduced from it. Cool. 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 Dude. But anyway, well, yeah. Watch out for snakes and alligators and, uh, you know, find some lionfish. Yeah, dude, there's this place actually, um, there's a guy that I follow on Instagram. If y'all are really bored right now, you can go on there and look. It's called Gator Boy Chris, one word. He works at this alligator like rehabilitation center. And also they just do like, you can do underwater photo dives with these gigantic alligators. One of them's name is Seven and it's like nine feet long. And wow. he's e-fucking-normous. And they have, they have photos of you just being able to like swim right underneath them. So wow. anyway, I want to go do that too. So we'll see like how many things I check off the bucket list here. Cause like eating lionfish and swimming with alligators and scuba diving. I think that's like a lot of bucket list checks for one trip. So yeah. we'll see. Well, hey, when is, when is brainquility? Um, that is the week after. So it's the February, the weekend of February 7th. Okay. Yeah. That would be a good time to get out of here. And maybe I'll have to get a t- uh, flight. You were already saying that. So we'll just buy it after this. Okay, Cool. cool. Boom. All All right. right. Well, Well, thank you so much, Corey. We appreciate you. And we will see you guys on the next episode of the Green Room Podcast.